Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Well, it is a blessing to, to be here. You know, it's a blessing to have this opportunity for Feast of Tabernacles. Sometimes uh, we can take it for granted, you know. Uh, I've been doing Feast of Tabernacles for so long, uh, I guess all of my life, you know, and, and some of y'all guys are, 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 maybe this is your, your first time here uh, to a feast, or maybe it's your first time to this feast. Um, you know, it wasn't always, we didn't always have the price is right like we did last night. Uh, you know, uh, for, for a long, many years, it was just, uh, it was just me and a few people uh, my, my siblings and mom and dad and a few cousins and, and, and we didn't have this massive of 450 people or, or whatever we have this week and, and it's just truly a blessing to, to be able to enjoy the fellowship with each other. That's a big part of Tabernacles is, is getting to get together and enjoy each other's company. Uh, you know, just watching uh, Prices right. I myself had an absolute blast last night. How many of y'all guys had a fun time last night? You know, a lot of people put a lot of hard work into that production. You know, there was people behind the the, the little boards moving them around. I mean, the camera guy, uh, the 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 script. You know, Walker. I don't know how long he worked on that voiceover thing that he had down, but it was, it was legit, right? Uh, a lot of hours went into the production of that thing. And, uh, you know, I think at least for me, but I think probably for everybody, seeing uh, Ron DeVaca over there get up and get so excited over the process ride. I mean, I don't think if, if it was really Bob Barker, she wouldn't have got any more excited, you know? That was fun. That was a lot of fun. And so I'd just like to say thanks to all those people that put in the hard work and the effort uh, in getting that done. Uh, There's also another group of people that uh, I would just like to say thank you to. They've worked countless hours, uh, hours and hours and hours and hours, um, late into the wee hours of the morning, early in the morning, sometimes they never actually left, uh, to get our gym finished. Later today, we're going to have uh, a volleyball tournament, and we're going to get full use of the brand new gym over here, but uh, that would have never happened uh, if I'd been in charge of that project, because I just wouldn't have. <laughs> so I think we ought to say thank you to those people that worked so hard for so long. Ferris, Joanne, Britt, Sam, Danny, Keith, Walker, Dan, Wendell, Matt, Alan, Ruben, Ben Nelms, and I'm probably missing half of them, but uh, those are some. It is a blessing to be here. You know, Lad uh, and Chuck said that this week is the best week of the year, and I agree. I mean, it's just a great time to get together. You know, it's, it's a good time to renew friendships, to enjoy each other's company. You know, we have people come from all over 
the state of Texas, all over the country. I met someone uh, this week, actually, that he came here 27 years ago. And he came back this year. So obviously, we made an impression. I'm not going to say if it was a good impression or a bad impression, but we definitely made an impression. I'm just glad to have him back. You know, it's, it's uh, different. If, if you weren't like me and raised in this, maybe this is your first feast, second feast, you're still kind of, what is Tabernacles all about? Um, it can be, it's a little odd, right? If you're the guy driving down the street out here on 183 and you see all these tents set up, you're like, what is going on? You don't see, you know, a bunch of tents, RVs in First Baptist parking lot or the Catholic parking lot. You just don't see it. Right? So what is going on? Just by way of context, I feel like I should read from chapter, uh, Leviticus chapter 23 to explain, like, why are we even doing this? Why are we even here? Is this even in the Bible, right? Yahweh said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, Yahweh's festival of tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days, present food offerings to Yahweh. And on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to Yahweh. It is the closing special assembly. Do no regular work. These are Yahweh's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to Yahweh. The burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for Yahweh's Sabbaths, and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed, and all the free will offerings you give to Yahweh. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to Yahweh for seven days. The first day is a day of Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day also is a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day, you are to take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before Yahweh, your God, for seven days. And remember the first day of the feast, we had our Sukkot out there. We had all the little kids come up. We do it every year, and we didn't have any luxuriant branches, but we did have some branches, and we put them in the Sukkot, remember? Where's that? 41. Celebrate this as a festival to Yahweh for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am Yahweh, your God. So there you go. We're supposed to be in tents, RVs, something temporary, right? What is that significance, right, of this temporary dwelling? The story of Exodus, uh, of, of the Exodus, right? When you're going out of Egypt and going where? Where were the Israelites going? Promised land, exactly. It's full of metaphors for life, metaphors uh, in, in layers and themes of metaphors. And our temporary dwelling is our, our human body, right? We're all on a journey. We got this week 
fragile little kid that we're carrying around. And so the actual physical going out there and setting up a tent, you know, is a reminder to us. It gets our gears thinking. It gets, our, it gets us thinking the symbolism of how frail our lives are. You know, that's one of the things uh, I felt like when I was getting up here that I should probably not get up here and just have Pete come up. You know, he's talking about the frailty of life. He's talking about uh, some of the tribulations of life. Um, so I want to kind of go through that Exodus story, right? Pick it up where Yahweh tells Moses to go talk to Pharaoh, you know, go talk to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And that's what Moses does, right? He goes he goes and, and tells Pharaoh to let him go. And Pharaoh says, what? Yeah, I'm going to let him go. He says, no, I'm not going to let him go. And so what, what happens? We have this beginning process. I think we're all familiar with the story, but I do want to go through it and review it a little bit. Hit the highlights here. We have this, this Pharaoh character. Now we have to go back and think about who Pharaoh actually is in terms of ancient Egypt and ancient Egypt culture. You know, he's at the top of the hierarchy or the top of the pyramid. You know, he's, he's the guy that they're building the pyramids for, the tombs for. He's, he's, got, he's got the slaves. He's got the Israelites in bondage. He's the top of the pinnacle. And here comes Moses. And what does Moses tell him? Hey, Yahweh says to let his people go. And in that, in that supposition of let my people go, he's telling Pharaoh that they're not his people, right? Pharaoh's like, what do you mean? Who are you? What are you talking about? Not my people. I've had these guys for 430 years. I feel like they're my people, you know? And so there, there begins this, this back and forth between Yahweh, who sends Moses to do his work, to tell him, hey, take my people out of Egypt. We have this back and forth where uh, Moses, and he throws down his rod, turns into a snake, and here comes the, the magicians for Egypt. They throw down their rod. The next one was Yahweh tells him, all right, go turn the, the Nile into, the, into blood. And so Moses waves his staff over the Nile and turns it into blood. And what do, what do the uh, Egyptians do? They do the exact same thing. And then the frogs. He tells him uh, there's going to be frogs come out of the Nile and they're going to cover everything. The palace, the pots, the pans, the bowls, you know, the officials' houses. It's covering everything. What do they do? They match it, right? There's this back and forth, tit for tat that's going on between the magicians, between Pharaoh and between Yahweh. There's a fight. 
And then there's Yahweh steps up his game where he brings gnats, and, and, and now Pharaoh can't compete with that. In fact, Pharaoh's own servants are telling him, this is the finger of Yahweh. You, you start to see a distinction and delineation. Yahweh brings more plagues. He brings flies, he brings gnats, you know, he brings these dense swarms. He puts the plague on the livestock. He puts the plague of, of boils on everyone in, in, in Egypt, right? But he, start, but he makes the delineation between the Egyptians and the Israelites, the land of Goshen. He's, he's telling them that these are my people and I'm in control and I will fight for these people. And there's a problem with Pharaoh, right? Do we remember what the problem Pharaoh has is? He's got a sickness, right? He's got something wrong with him. What, what is his problem in the story? It says, Pharaoh hardened his heart, right? And it says that over and over, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And it says in other places that Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And I think both of those are, are dead on, you know, when we think about the hardening of the heart. Uh, Pharaoh started that process. And Yahweh uh, hardened Pharaoh's heart, not in the way that he took away Pharaoh's ability of free will. I think Pharaoh had the whole time free will. But I think in the way that Pharaoh saw himself as not under the authority of Yahweh. He was diabolically, what's the word, diametrically, Chuck, help me out. Uh, opposed to this, to this Yahweh. He was, he was adamantly opposed to Yahweh, to being under the authority of Yahweh. Uh, Pete was talking earlier in the video, he talked about how admonishing our young that the world looks really, really good. Uh, but what you'll find is a lot of pain and heartache. And I think uh, that's well said. You know, it, it can be very tempting when you look at, when you look at the world today. Sometimes I feel like that there's uh, more than any other time in my life anyway, a nation that was founded on Christian principles is now a nation that's asking the question, uh, not if they're a Christian nation. I think we're, 
if not a secular nation, we're extremely close. Uh, but asking the question, is, is God real? Is there a true creator of heaven and earth? Uh, and, and with some of the, the self uh, grandizement, I feel like there's there's uh, there's more of a a question of are we God, right? So I think we have to be careful uh, as we as we go throughout our lives that that we don't start to feel. Uh, that our hearts are not hardened like Pharaoh's, that we don't get the same heart disease that he's got, right? Because he has a disease that uh, is going to prove fatal. You know, being, uh, I'll tell you a little story about uh, Kent. Me and my wife had, uh, actually still have. Last year, we, we, had, a, we had a tent several tents and you know tabernacles is a time when you go out and you set up your camp and it takes it takes some time to set up your camp because you're thinking about where do you want it where do you want the door set up where do you want the the uh the the tent to face you know how do you want it positioned and we had gotten a couple of these tents set up now we're on kind of the last tent and uh, it just happened that Reuben Cupid was our, our camping neighbor over here. And he comes wandering up. There's a few, you know, laws of, of nature uh, I've found. One is that no good deed goes unpunished, you know. And so Reuben Cupid comes wandering up here at the perfect time. And he says, hey, y'all need some help setting up this tent? I was like, no, no, we don't need no help setting up this tent. We got it. He's like, no, I'm, I'm pretty much done with my tent. I'll help, you know. There's some people in life, you'll, you'll find them that are just willing to help. You know, that's just who they are. They're, if they can help, they're more than willing to help. And Ruben's one of those guys. And so he comes, comes up there and we, he starts helping us set up his tent. And, and this tent is a... Um, it's going to be our little kitchen tent where we put all the food and all the coolers and everything. And it's a pop-up tent, right? So it makes it really nice because it's super fast. You push over here and you pull over there and boom, it pops up. You guys are familiar with them, right? It's not one of those old school tents where you got all the poles and you're trying to connect them all and put them together. You're not really sure if this pole actually connects to that pole. So... I'm like, all right, this is going to be easy. This is sweet. This is right up my alley. This is how I like to do life. Like, let's move. Let's go fast. And let's get it done. You know, I like, I like that. You know, sometimes you'll hear things like, all those who wander are not lost. Is that it? It's not the, it's not the, the destination. It's the journey, right? I have no idea what these people are talking about. <laughs> I really don't. I like the destination. I don't understand the journey. I like the destination. You know, I just, we need to talk to Ben after this and ask him, is it the journey or the destination? You put 12 kids 
in a car, drive down the road to Florida for 12 hours and see if you like the destination of the journey. You know, that's how I feel about it. I don't, I don't like it. I want to get over there and get it done. And so here I go with the tent and I'm, you know, uber confident in my tent building skills. I've just built two or three here. And so I'm telling Reuben, hey, Reuben, you know, pull over there, push over here. And meanwhile, back over here, I hear a voice, a small, quiet voice, patient voice sitting over here, talking, she's saying something about an instruction book, and maybe I should take some time and, and slow down and think about what I'm doing, you know? And I'm like, babe, it's a pop-up tent. It's real simple. You just have to push over here and pull over there, and then it pops up and it's done. And about that time, boom, there it is. And I turn around to my beautiful wife and I say, see there, babe? Look at the tent. It's nice, huh? Now, Jolene has a look that she'll give me if she's proud of me and she feels like I've accomplished something. And then she has another look if she thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> Guess which look I was getting. <laughs> I was getting the idiot, you're an idiot look. <clears throat> she says, Josh, is there something wrong with the tent? Do you see anything wrong with the tent? Like, you turn around, you look at it. You know, you don't want to, as a guy, you don't want to admit that there's a problem, right? You don't want to admit that you failed. You know, it's just not, it's just not something that I'm good at. Even when it comes to something as simple as a tent, it's just not something I want to admit to. But she points out, do you, you see the zipper? you see the seams right here? Do you see the, uh, the logo? Where's the logo? It's on the inside of the tent. <laughs> We've inverted the whole thing. It's inside out. And I'm like, babe, 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 don't worry about it, babe. Don't worry about it. Look, there's seven days in a feast. Half the time it's dark. Nobody is going to, nobody, they probably won't even notice, right? Probably won't notice that. So uh, she says, no, take it down. So we, we start to take it down. And when I say start to take it down, I mean we start to take it down. This thing is a monster. The, the arms on this thing, they had, there's legs and they're, you know, there's they're these weird 45-degree angles. And so when you, when you take one and you fold it back, you have to push it all the way back through somehow. And me and Ruben are over here, and we are wrestling. And I mean, we're getting after it. Like, we're pushing and pulling and stomping, and, and we're pushing this thing to try to get it right side out, this tent. And every time you push this leg and you got it, and you're holding it with this pinky toe over here and putting that one down, you get about four or five of them around, and then one of them will go, you know, pop right back out. And uh, there's, you know, it's just so frustrating. And you get to this point, I did, where I just walked off. Like you, when your expectations are here, and you've exceeded expectations by so much, that just means frustration and anger and tempers have gotten to 
way out of proportion. They're at dangerous levels, you know, and you know it. And I just walk off and I've left Jolene and Reuben to fend for themselves over there with that tent. All I want to do is go buy a new tent and throw this silly thing away. And so I've left them to fend for this thing. And I go over here and I kind of calm down. Come back and we wrestle the thing and get it back in. You know, while you're standing over there looking around, you notice that everybody apparently has been practicing tent making in their backyard for the last three months or something. You know, everybody has smiles and, you know, that's just how it works, right? Everybody's going, life is great for everybody else, but you... You have this tent that's a monster on your hands. We finally get it right side out, okay? But it took like an hour of wrestling with this thing. I mean, it took a long time. So we finally get it right side out. So why am I telling silly stories about a tent, you know? We're, you know, so much of life, uh, we're, we're, we're just like that tent, right? We're just like that tent. We're so temporary. We're so fragile. You know, when we, when we go through life's journeys, you know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh is, is, is there and, and Yahweh is continuing to push Pharaoh and push Pharaoh and push Pharaoh. And there's these plagues and plagues and plagues. The plague of hell. Locust. And does that, none of that does anything for Pharaoh, right? None of that does anything for Pharaoh. Pharaoh wants to be number one. He wants to be the authority. I think Pharaoh thinks of himself as God. So there cannot be any other. There can't be a, a authority that he he bows down to it. And his heart was hardened. Pharaoh has a, a disease of the heart where his heart's become so callous that he can't, he can't do anything about it. You know, we're, we're, we have to become, we have to make sure that as we go through life and as we go through some of the struggles and the trials, that we're not like Pharaoh, that we don't get to a point that it's, that we can't hear Yahweh's call on our lives, that we can't hear uh, Yahweh's voice, that we can't accept Yahshua as our, our Messiah and Savior. You know, as you follow the story of Pharaoh, what is the price that Pharaoh pays Right? What, is the, what is the price that Pharaoh has to pay for his hard-heartedness? The whole story culminates to the very end. And he gives him one of the, the second to last plagues, I think. Pharaoh tells Moses, get out of my sight. I don't ever want you to see, it. see me again. The day you see my face is the day you're going to die. And all through this thing, Pharaoh's been telling him and telling him and telling him, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to 
I'm going to let you go. Just take this plague away. As soon as that happens, he, he re- reneges on the deal, right? Or he'll say, okay, the guys can go, but not the girls. Okay, the guys and girls can go, but not the guys, girls, and the animals. There's always another negotiation point, another hook, right? Uh, I'm reminded of the story of Jacob, right? Where Jacob has left Laban and left the slavery for 20 years. He's worked for him. He's leaving. Rachel's there. Laban shows up and uh, says, you stole my idols. What are you talking about? I didn't steal your idols. Yeah, you stole my idols. Sure enough, Rachel has the, the little idol underneath in the knapsack of the, of the donkey there in the saddlebag. You know it has to be a little idol because you can't fit big idols in saddlebags, right? Jacob never knew that, that Rachel was carrying around this idol. I think sometimes we have to evaluate our lives. I have to evaluate mine. Am I carrying around an idol of some sort? Something that's holding me back or, or keeping me further away from a relationship with Yahweh, right? With communion with Yahweh. And there's so many, you know, distractions today. Is it the God of alcohol, tobacco, God of porn? Is it the God of entertainment? Is it the God of fear? I hear a lot of stuff these days. It's the God of sports. And we, we just really enjoy our sports in America. You know, there's all sorts of things to take away our time and our, our energy away from uh, our relationship with Yahweh. I'm just reading the Bible, you know. Um, so here's Pharaoh. In the last act of the scene, right? We're trying, right? We're all trying to get out of Egypt. And there's somebody trying to hold us back from getting out of Egypt. It's Pharaoh. It's the devil trying to hold us back in one form or another from getting out of Egypt, from becoming free men. And Yahweh is trying to get us out, trying to move us. And what, is, what happens at the end? What does he have to give up? What does it take for him to finally relent? He loses his firstborn son, right? In the, in the battle between Pharaoh, who thinks he's God, and Yahweh, who is God, Pharaoh gives up his firstborn son. Yahweh, the true God, also gives up his firstborn son for us. But he can raise his son. There's a resurrection. From Exodus to Revelation, there's a There's a story of redemption that gets told. Over and over again, it repeats itself. Yahweh is there to save us from ourselves. We have a lot of issues. 
this, this, this week, Reuben, a glutton for punishment, comes back and he's our next door neighbor again out there at the camp and we're setting up camp and it just happens he walks up and we're standing right by that same tent. And Reuben looks down and sees the tent. He says, is that the tent? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, it scarred you, didn't it? And he's like, oh, man, dude, that thing. And I was like, yeah, I know. You want some? You want to you try it again? And he's like, yeah. I was like, why didn't you say yeah? I don't even want to do this. I'm thinking about throwing it away now that you said it. I'd forgotten all about it. Uh, and so he said, yeah, but first we're going to pray. So he does. He says a quick prayer over this tent and our setup process. And three minutes later, the thing is right side out and popped up. Just like it, it it's, it's perfect, right? And so I go inside the tent and there's a, you know, there's five, it's like this octagonal thing. And there's a little panel here and one, one of the, the rods is broke and just sitting there dangling, you know. And, uh, you know, that's, to me, it, it's, it's a good reminder of, of us, the tent that, that we have, right? We're traveling, we're trying to get from Egypt to the promised land. And there's no guarantee that we don't end up with a broken hole. There is no guarantee of a painless uh, journey through the wilderness. But there is a guarantee of eternal life and salvation through Yeshua, our Messiah. If we will just follow him. I just want to say that it's been a blessing to be here, have this opportunity, and it's been a blessing to uh, enjoy Feast of Tabernacles with all of y'all. May y'all be blessed in Joshua's name.